Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. What if there were a profound difference in our personalities and our true essence? Both have been used to define who we are. But what if our personalities, the way that we're showing up in the world, are just a collection of our experiences, both good and bad, and therefore the identity we've had to forge in order to feel safe, to be seen, and to navigate the world? There is a distinct difference between our personality and our true essence. One is something that's created to move through the world safely, and it's constantly evolving based on our experience and relationship with others, while our true essence is what lies underneath that who we truly are once the armor comes off. If you're interested and ready to de-layer, then keep listening. Hi. Hi, 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 hi. <laughs> I feel like you go through a Rolodex of how you say hi. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> Ooh, this is a good one. And it's, a good one. it's funny because we've been talking lately about our own personal journeys and how it's almost like all of these different pieces that we've been learning and healing through are well obviously bringing us closer and closer to who we truly are but also making us realize that we're on the same journey yeah. <laughs> like when it get, when it comes down to it so if you're listening and you're like what is this all about or this doesn't resonate with me well the journey that we're on is actually the human journey i think <laughs> yeah that was a big revelation I feel like I even had this week, which is, although we're all on the different journey in quotations, our experience, they're going to be different. The things we're going to learn, expand from at the core of it, I feel everyone's after the same thing, which Mm -hmm. is to be able to step into who they truly are out in the world. And like, whether that's like, you're going to be a multimillionaire, you're going to be some world renowned speaker, or you're going to work at some shopping center, but can you show up in that space in whatever relationship, whatever container fully as yourself, like that to me is like the ultimate journey that we're all on. And I think that just segues so nicely into this conversation on like, what is our personality then? And what's our true self? And how are those different and how are those even created and why is that important and why does that matter to my journey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, and I know you probably feel the same way as this, there were parts of me growing up where I was like, oh, that's who I am. And there would be pride with whatever that piece was. And as I've continued down this healing path, I've realized that so many aspects of who I thought I was were these mechanisms that I created in order to stay connected, in order to feel like I belonged, in order to feel accepted and essentially survive. Hmm. So true. Just so true, right? Yeah. I think you had had pointed me towards this podcast with this practitioner that said, uh, our personalities are just a collection of stories. Mm. Who are we, though, once we remove those stories, right? And that's, you know, figuratively, like what, where we're going today with this episode and obviously something you discovered as well, because you hear it so often, right? I always think of guys, especially, and I'm going to get into an example of this later where they're like, that's just who I am. I'm just, I'm not emotional. I don't Mm. connect. I'm just closed off. I'm just like macho. And it's like, "Mm." I think that's the persona you're putting on, but why? Right. And that's the key that a lot of people don't go that far. They don't ask the why. Why am I like that? Why am I saying that's who I am? That's my personality. Yeah. Well, I I always think that we stumble across things, we click on things, we decide to do things because there's something deeper that's kind of guiding us. And so I feel like anyone who is listening to this, there's a reason you're listening to this right now. And (laughs) so I encourage you to start to ask yourself throughout this episode, why? Why am I like this? Why do I do the things that I do? And perhaps it might be a protective mechanism. And when you dig below that, maybe you'll get closer to who you truly are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking about 
what protective mechanisms are to me, defense mechanisms, however you want to look at them, these, these habits, these patterns that we create, what are they? And, and I thought about how they showed up for me. And essentially, they were ways that I figured out how to deal with stress or challenging situations or experiences that were hard for me to process or navigate through in, in a sense, unhealthy ways. It allowed me to handle them and survive. And some of these, I can see I also learned and were conditioned into me. So that's also the interesting piece too. A hundred percent. I think I found some definition of like, what actually is personality? Because like, it's it's not, it's intangible, right? It's not a thing. It's not material. And you know, social cognitive theory explains it as it's a personality formation occurs when people observe the behaviors of others, and this leads them to adaptation and assimilation of mm. those said behaviors. So when you're talking about that mirroring, which typically happens in childhood, we are absorbing everything. We're watching what works socially, what doesn't work, who gets accepted, who gets exiled, whether that's with your peers on the playground, mom and dad at the dinner table, etc. So already that is setting you up for your personality. It's heavily influenced by those around you, especially in those developing years. Mm. then through your own experience as well. I mean, you and I both really love Gabor Matei's work. He knows so much stuff when it comes to this, whether healing, development, um, our nervous system, mental health. And, you know, it's so interesting. There are so many good quotes out there. If you've never read anything by Gabor Matei, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, But there was one quote that I found, and I, I think about this one often when it comes to you know, this piece around who are we really? And is it a protective mechanism or is it truly this authentic piece within us? And the quote he has is, if our environment cannot support our gut feelings and our emotions, then the child, in order to belong and fit in, will automatically, unwittingly, and unconsciously suppress their emotions and their connections to themselves for the sake of staying connected to the nurturing environment without which the child cannot survive. Mm, That lands. Right? You know, and I think that's, so important because as we dive deeper into this conversation i don't want listeners to feel like shame of their personality Mm -hmm. or the way that they're showing up uh because there can be this negative connotation with oh well that's a coping mechanism there's a reason just like what you just said verbatim by that quote there is a reason why we do this Mm -hmm. it's our ego it's like the animalistic brain we all have to protect ourselves because sometimes when, when you're little, especially, and you don't have all the tools, right, you have no other option but to adapt, assimilate in order to fit in, right? Because it's dangerous to be without a village, without the herd, if you're thinking, you know, centuries and centuries ago, like this is genetically ingrained into us. We are going to function this way. We're predispositioned to choose to change ourselves to fit in because that means safety. Mm-hmm. However, We no longer live on the plains of wherever, right? And as you step into adulthood, you can go and forge new relationships. You're not dependent on a caregiver, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's really where I think this discovery piece and this switch from, do I need this armor? Do I need to be showing up in these ways? Really starts with, well, why am I doing that? And if I don't do that, what will happen? Because sometimes it's positive. You know what? And I'm so glad you brought up this piece because this switch that began to occur within me, and it was a very intentional conscious switch of learning how to be grateful for and so deeply thankful that these pieces within me did show up to help me survive through Mm -hmm. these things. And like one of these pieces was actually my anger is I used to have so much shame around my anger. And then as I began to really dig into my healing, I began to learn that that anger got me through so many different situations. It allowed me to feel seen and heard when I wasn't. And though Mm -hmm. it hurt people in some cases, it also protected and allowed these little pieces in me to survive. Right. And 
this is part of why I am so passionate about somatic work that I've done and, and specifically parts work that can be within somatic experiencing. There are the theories out there in terms of internal family systems where within ourselves, when we experience trauma, we fragment and there are different parts of us, whether it's a part of us that gets repressed and exiled because that little part was too weak and vulnerable to handle whatever that was. And then these other parts come up that are in a sense, protectors and controllers and managers. And mm -hmm. that's where those coping mechanisms come in. And if they didn't, I don't know if we would have survived through some of these traumas that we experience. So just to hit that home, I'm so glad you brought that up. If you're listening to this and you feel shame or guilt around some of these pieces that come up like oh i shouldn't be like that or i can't believe i'm like that can you have compassion for yourself can you see that actually these parts allowed you to survive and evolve to get you to this point and now with the awareness you can do something different so true so true and yeah, you just, you buttoned that up so well there. Like, don't feel the shame. And I think, you know, we're going to get into later, maybe if there are things you're noticing that are showing up and are are in a way holding you back from stepping into your true essence and who you really are because of coping you've need, you needed in the past. I think that is a key to that transition and coming home to your true self is accepting and almost feeling gratitude towards that piece of you that needed to steer steer the boat steer the car uh, so that you could survive that because when you begin to then get mad at yourself or exile that ego and that piece that needed to show up in that way i think you actually just compound the situation more yeah it's coming home to the fact that it was required it's how your body is wired it's socially conditioned for us. Like there is nothing you could have done to not have grabbed onto that armor, those coping mechanisms. It's it's literally part of the journey. Yeah. And then the next piece, part two, is actually delayering, unarmoring to get to that core. Totally. Yeah. And and those protectors had to come on board. Because in some cases, and this isn't always about our parents not showing up, this could be moments when you're at school, you're around bullies or whatever that is, there have been so many instances in our lives where we needed to have protectors. And so they had to form within us. So yeah, I love, I love that. that. So do we want to jump into examples of some of these? I know you guys love these examples. We're good at them. <laughs> Yes, let's do it. Do you want to go first? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of I'll dig into the anger piece because I kind of already started talking about that. And, you know, one thing that I've started to learn is throughout my life, anger was a big piece when it came to um, dealing with really challenging situations, really hard emotions, deeper ones like sadness or guilt or shame. Anger was a way for me to outwardly project that so I didn't actually have to or potentially didn't learn how to be in my body and feel mm -hmm. right and I've started to see that when a boundary so for some people when a boundary is crossed they respond in certain ways for me it's anger if a boundary is crossed with me it typically and now it's I've, I've really began to heal through this but for sure a lot of my life I would have responded with anger and sometimes violence um because I can now see because of the trauma I experienced and some of the situations where I didn't feel safe, seen, soothed, supported, anger allowed me to feel seen and heard. And it, it actually, it. It it, I was going to say it forced people to see and hear me. So it allowed me to survive in a lot of cases. And, you know, we can talk about how that's changed for me potentially later in the episode, but I'm starting to learn a different way. And you're actually helping me with this a lot, which is learning how to wait 24 hours to respond when I am triggered or upset about something. And what that has done has allowed me to find that safety within myself and see and hear and witness myself within. Right. So interesting because we're so similar yet so different. And I wonder if anyone listening is like, wow, anger, you know, when I started digging more into your journey and even some of our friends, 
it's funny. I feel like I surround myself with these very forward, fierce women and anger is one of their tools in their toolbox. It is not in my toolbox. I, and again, that's, so I just wanted to ring that because you're just hitting this point home. If, if we bring up something today and you're like, oh, that's not part of my personality. That's also something to dig into because all of these emotions mm. or the ways in which you see other people show up, again, always just ask yourself why. Why am I showing up this way? And why am I not ever tapping into showing up that way? Because that's just as much part of the mystery because it's, it's a big discovery for me when I hear you speak about anger and I go, yeah, why don't I ever get angry? Oh, I know, because if I ever did, it would have resulted in more abuse. So I shut that part of myself off that became deleted out of my personality, even though, right? Like we are born with all the emotions. It's healthy to feel all, all of them, to express all of them, obviously in a respectful way, but just saying we can also be conditioned and trained out of showing up in certain ways. You know, to give a completely different perspective on that for anyone who's known me for a length of time, I was regarded as planner, extraordinaire, super organized, multitasker, everything done to like a high standard. Like my house looked like the inside of a magazine, always, period. And when women would say to me, wow, like, how do you do it all? I was like, I know, I'm just like a badge of honor, right? Mm. But then you, and 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 I'm saying this too, because you may be listening and, and not have even considered how you're showing up in the world. But when, and I say when, because it will happen, when you come to this fork in the road, whether that's through like a traumatic experience, a midlife awakening as Christine and I like to call it, mm -hmm. there's gonna be a point where you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror and say, what the, who am I? Mm. And that's when you really begin to dig into the stuff. And so for me, that happened in my rock bottom. And, it, you know, it was as much about my marriage, but it was actually more about me. And I remember thinking, why am I like that? Mm. Like, cause my mom wasn't like that. My dad was not like that. Like none of my friends are like that. I am the person that's, that's my kind of known for personality. What, why, why did I, why do I do that? And as I began to dig into it, I was like, do I like it? Yes. So I think, you know, there's a part of me, like my true essence that, you know, has some of these traits, but these were like on steroids, like, mm -hmm. you know, overachievement, like for anything, a Sunday brunch with the girls. And I remember some women be like, how do you do all of this? And I, when I began to dig, dig into my healing, I found out it was because it created acceptance, respect, love, connection with people, because who wouldn't want to be friends with like an amazing party planner and someone who like organizes everything. Like it was like, for me, what I felt was my buy-in to those relationships in, in, in a subconscious way. Mm. And then when I began my healing, I realized I couldn't tick off all the boxes all the time. Like I could barely get the dishes done, the kids to school and go to work. And I was like, <gasps> I'm in a depressive manic state. What has happened to me? Yeah. Oh my God. Like if people, especially those who knew me, they were like, what do you mean? Like you're having a hard time get going to the gym every day. That's mm. not you. But then I realized like a lot of how I was showing up before my journey was due to like a drive from trauma, right? Mm. Because I had learned so young you're not gonna be loved and accepted just based on who you are due to obviously the toxicity between my relationship between my mother and I. And so I just carried that forward, assuming I had to perform in order to be loved and accepted by everyone else in the world. But then when I began healing that wound, that motivation to do all those things was no longer there. And it's not like you just give up these parts of like, you know, I think intrinsically they're pieces of who you do, are really are in your essence. But you have to then build true motivation because of your interest, because you want to, not because you feel you need to. Yes. Right. And so, and that, those are, those come from very different places. One is external and one is internal. And you almost have to retrain your nervous system and your body when you begin stepping into your true essence. It, it, you go through this stage that's like an identity crisis, I guess. And it's almost yeah. like, reinventing yourself but it's your true self and the motivation for that has to come from a completely different place a thousand percent you know when i hear you say that it reminds me so much of 
and this is where we are like in some ways is this performance and achievement piece that I felt with my dad growing Mm -hmm. up because sports, especially, and doing well in school always allowed me to feel connected to him. It maybe was the main way I felt connected to him, especially sports. And, and I'm very grateful for the years that he would coach me with baseball, especially, and he would come out to my soccer games. Like that was a big piece of our relationship. And I remember telling, and it's so funny, this just came through to me now. I remember telling people when I was younger, well, I'm like the son my dad never got because Mm -hmm. I was so good at sports. And that's not me being like, I was so good. I just, I was like, it was something that I naturally excelled at, but I think I also pushed myself harder because I knew that it like made my dad proud. And this also came through. It's so interesting. Like when I was 18, I went and lived in Australia alone. And I, it was probably the first time I ever felt this sense of freedom, of autonomy, of complete independence, of finding myself, like talk about that authentic piece that, that, that kind of, we don't get to connect to based on things that we go through. I was tapping into that. And I actually put this together as I was compiling some notes for this episode. I remember telling so many people when they would say, why'd you come back from Australia? That was like such a great trip. Like, it sounded like you were, you were, that was amazing for you. And I always used to say, I probably could have lived there forever, but I promised my dad I would come back and go to school. And I said that with pride. Like I mm-hmm. promised my dad I would come back and go to school. So did I do it for myself or did I do it for connection? And it's just so interesting to me that when we actually start to look at these things, when we when we put the lens down on them, what we can actually see. Absolutely. I love that piece because it speaks to that quote you started our episode with from Gabor Mate, as well as just really highlights what once was, you know, a mechanism for survival is now a hindrance to your future. Right. And so I really hope listeners can see that these things were absolutely necessary and they served a purpose in a time. But if you do not take the time to look at like to look at yourself literally in the mirror, go inward and say, why, why do I show up that way? Is it really what I want? Is it my true essence? Are these things I'm actually interested in or am I doing it for connection, for safety? What is it? And if you can answer those questions, then you'll begin to realize like where you need some healing, where you need to begin digging a little bit more because what once was serving you is actually hindering you now in the future and in your adult life. Well, and, and it makes me think about how, as I continued on my healing journey, when I was with Brad still, and I was really getting into all this healing, I started to like not have a motivation to want to play baseball anymore. And that was something for anyone who knew our relationship with Brad and I, baseball was one of the biggest pieces. We played together for years. We played on a slow pitch league. We we went and saw baseball games in Seattle. Like that was a big part of our relationship, sports. And as I began healing, it wasn't that I didn't like sports anymore, but I didn't find the same connection to it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me think like, yeah, what part of that was authentic to me and what was a coping mechanism to feel more connected? I think too, you know, you bring up this good point. I want everyone to see as well, like your personality, like it's always going to be there, Mm -hmm. right? But it also is going to evolve. And I think at some point your personality is more going to match, you know, who you are in your essence. Like you're not going to be afraid for your personality to change as the places you're going and stepping into are changing. And, you know, based on our last episode, cycle breaking, I just want to highlight this. This is a cycle because when you begin making changes, like for me, as an example, like I was never spiritual. I didn't Mm -hmm. meditate. I didn't read self-help books and like, dig into neuroscience on the weekends but now i do <laughs> you love that I love now. It, right like put me in a corner with like a candle and a tea and leave me alone it's great whereas i used to love like social interaction i still do to an extent but right like there's that shift just like you with sports and i just want to preface you will be confronted by that 
because a lot of people get locked into this is my personality mm. and i do want to give a really good example especially because i know we have lots of women listeners who have partners and i am very fortunate that i do not have this dynamic with my husband he has a lot of feminine energy meaning like he's soft open vulnerable you can talk to him about anything even my friends don't feel like judged if they talk about you know something but there are a lot of women who are very much in their feminine and marry men very much in their masculine, but I would say to a degree like a toxic masculinity, right? And so this is how this situation typically goes. And and I see it so often, and that's why I really wanted to highlight it in today's episode. So you have this one part one partner, and again, this could even be in female-female relationships. It's more about ener- energy. So one person's very dominant in their masculine but when it's a bit toxic that can look like they're very closed off they're a bit cold kind of grumpy exterior tough person etc and then you have the other person who's like you know more emotional and like they almost are a bit needy and those energies play off each other and so what typically happens is that the one person shares, I'm feeling like this, I wish you would give me more of this, like, how come you don't like react when I tell you about my day and you never tell me about your day? And I'm just like, it's just who I am. It's my personality. I'm, I'm closed off. It's just, you know, but they're like, hey, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm listening to them, right? Mm. So those men, so for any men listening and for any women who have men like this, I don't think that's their personality. Mm. You, that is something they've constructed so that they don't have to go there. They don't have to get emotional. They don't have to be vulnerable. And that's the key to that, that they will need to figure out is why am I closed off? What am I afraid of? And what would happen when I meet someone there? And and I just want to end this off with, there's um, this handle on Instagram called Law of Attraction. And I just reposted this quote the other day, and this is where this idea came from. But love is a form of intimacy and you can't have it without vulnerability. I just wanna repeat that. You cannot have it without vulnerability. If your past makes you avoid vulnerability, you will never have intimacy. And although vulnerability feels like self-defense, in the long-term, it's actually self-harm. I mean, I have so many things I wanna say to this. Number one, this is a cultural thing and it drives me crazy This is why healing is so important in our society. This is about coming home to ourselves and peeling back these layers of defense mechanisms that allow us to feel quote unquote safe. And I'd be willing to say, you know, you mentioned this piece with men about that, you know, they don't, they maybe don't want to. I imagine a man as a little boy who wasn't given the opportunity to feel his emotions, who was, you know, men don't cry, men don't show their emotions, boys don't cry. And this is, and this is a cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not lost on me that we both have sons along Mm -hmm. with daughters. How cool (laughs) is that? But that this starts when when boys are little, little boys, and they see their fathers not show emotions, and they see on TV shows and movies, men not showing emotions, and they see that it is not safe. I will not be connected to my father, to my community, to my society, if I show my emotions. Maybe anger being okay, and power and force, but anything outside of that, not okay. Exactly. And I think that speaks back to that point I made about how are you also not showing up? right? Like mm-hmm. what, what areas of your personality is there gaps in? And if, if you, again, all the emotions are healthy for you to feel, etc., and express, and everyone's going to obviously vary on some degree because of like innately just who they are. But this is a big one that I see mm-hmm. and if you hit it. Why are you not open? Why are you not emotional? Why can you not connect with your partner on that level? Or why are you choosing not to? And that's exactly that, that conditioning, that coping mechanism they've created. Maybe at one point they were emotional and they got made fun of, Mm -hmm. or they got in trouble from their dad. Like, you don't cry, get yourself up, you're tough. And now they've associated like any kind of emotional connection is weakness. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is just a big one. And you nailed it. It's a cycle. It's a pattern out there. I see all too often. But for any men listening, for women that are in a, a similar relationship, like I speak a lot about relationships, it will never work. 
-hmm. until that person can confront that piece in them and get to the root as to why they can because you can never get to a place of intimacy and deep connection if you both can't at some points be vulnerable it's not to say that the the man or woman who is more in their their masculine needs to completely give up that that energetic piece Mm -hmm. but you have to be able to dip in and out right we have to have that balance of masculine and feminine energy Mm -hmm. and you just see it so often and it's that's just my personality it's just who I am no it's not that's who Mm -hmm. you became yeah yeah because we have both of these energies within us and this is something really cool that i've learned through my spiritual journey is we have both masculine and feminine energies within us the feminine allows us if we're fully embodied in it allows us to tap into that being that presence our emotions flow creative expression and our masculine energy allows us to tap into power and force and taking action and being assertive and being organized and doing we are supposed to be able to tap into both. This kind of segues into this other piece that I noticed when it came to some of my protective mechanisms, because there are a lot. <laughs> um, this was a really big one. And this is one that hit me like a universal two by four across the face a few years ago. And it was actually a big piece um, of my healing. And also like a big, you know, when you have those like big light ball moments, this was one of them. I started to realize that in the early stages of my healing, when I was dealing with like intense mental health issues, um, challenges, I should say, after I had the kids, it was early in motherhood, um, I realized for the first time that I had anxiety. And it's so interesting Mm -hmm. because I remember thinking, oh, I'm not somebody with anxiety. I don't like, I always thought it was like a physical thing. And then I realized as I started to understand myself better and researched and read books and all of that, my anxiety was very much an intellectualized anxiety. So like, it was a lot of me being in my head and I actually didn't present much in terms of physical symptoms. And I realized, and it's so funny because when I was, you'd be so proud of me. I researched a little bit today when it came to some of these (laughs) protective mechanisms. Um, There's actually a saying about this. So one way we can refer to it is as disassociation, which is what I knew that prior to this, like we disassociate And we go into our heads when our bodies are not safe to be in, right? And we can think of many times in our lives where this has probably occurred, where the emotion either felt too much, where we experienced some sort of trauma in our body or to our body, where we didn't feel safe to stay there. So we go to our heads. Hmm. Now, there's another way they refer to this, which it actually is a protective mechanism called intellectualization. And so this is actually something we do. And I realized you know, I was able to make some good connections here that in order for me to feel in control in my life, I would go to my head. I would ruminate on things. Sometimes these would be intrusive thoughts. It would be this cycle that I would go through in my mind. And it was almost like I couldn't get out of it. But as uncomfortable as this felt, it allowed me to feel some sense of control in terms of what was going on in my life. And it also allowed me to disconnect from my body, which felt out of control. Mm. And I can see this. So here are some ways that I did this. Let's see if any of you guys check these off the list. So I noticed that I did this as a teenager in terms of controlling my weight. This was something that I did after my parents' separation. I, I like really, my, my body and my weight became a huge focal point. Um, in my twenties, I did this through controlling my success, my achievement, money. I was like, my sisters always used to bug me about never spending my money and being so frugal and writing everything down. Mm-hmm. I did this with my appearance. And then as I became a mother, I tried to do this through motherhood. And that quickly showed me I couldn't do that because well, Max, <laughs> thank God for Max. <laughs> and so guys. Yeah. And and just as I've healed, I found I've needed to control less because I've been able to build this trust and safety in my body. Wow. That line that we leave our bodies and go into our heads. Mm. I didn't, I do that too, but I didn't know that that was a good thing. Really? Oh, this is fun. Sorry. It's not fun. (laughs) I think we have like... I wish people could hear the voice notes that Christina and I send back and forth on a daily basis because even last night I was laughing that we actually don't connect on like day-to-day stuff like ever 
Yeah, actually ever. <laughs> like if you could tell, if you could ask like, what things is Christina interested in? I'd be like, I actually don't really know. We talk about like, yay, we've found another discovery. <laughs> the deep, deep stuff. We are just deep. There is zero surface level. Anywho, yeah, we- um, I just think that one speaks just, it's profound because until I started this journey, I didn't realize how harmful that disconnection from my body was for me. Mm. And so many people do it. So many people live in their heads. It's, it's crazy. And then, you know, I, I used to almost say like, well, that was part of my personality. I'm just like busy. I'm just busy all the time. But actually it's, it's like, no, I need to control. And also if I stay busy, I don't have to connect with what feels unsafe in my body. I don't have to feel the emotion creep up into my throat where I'm about to start crying. I don't have to feel, you know, like the aches and sores because I've been pushing myself too hard, Mm. all of those pieces. And so again, I just think like here, there we go. I found another one. And again, there is zero shame here. There is zero need to like fix it. Mm. However, I want to uncover why and does that need healing so that I can, again, not allow it to hinder me? And I just think that's such a good example that, that you give there and, and just even, you know, how, and how that changed and metamorphosized throughout the different eras like that you've lived, right? Yeah. Starting with your body and weight and then sports and performance and then your money. And so people can see like overall, there's a personality trait there of like, oh, control. And I'm always, you know, onto the next thing but really underneath all of that it was like this lack of safety oh a hundred percent and and not only a lack of safety in maybe my external environment but not feeling safe in my body because i was never shown how to process what i was experiencing and this is why somatic work i think has been so life-changing for me is because Mm -hmm. with somatic work we come home to our bodies And I don't think I could have done that work if I hadn't first learned why I was exiting out of my body. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's actually a really good segue too into this piece. Okay, so let's just say you've you've landed upon this fork in the road. You've began really looking at, okay, my personality, here's the ways people would describe me or that I know of myself. Okay, now you're digging into the why. Why am I showing up that way? Oh, maybe it's connected to that. Ooh, yeah, I haven't thought about that, how that impacted me. And oh, wow, how is that hindering me? How is that holding me back? But then there comes this moment in everyone's journey, and I I, I touched on it earlier, about this sort of like identity crisis that we go through. And I do want to spend some time there because if you're on the journey, if you're beginning the journey and you hit this patch, This is where you're going to be like, whoa, no, 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 no. Revert back, go back to whatever autopilot system we were on, bring back the control, bring back overachiever, bring it back, bring back the anger, because I know that feeling. I know what I get out of acting that way and showing up that way in the world. And I'd prefer not to have to rebuild myself here. I wanna caveat though, if you just push a little bit farther, you're not actually rebuilding yourself. You're uncovering yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're coming home to who you right? truly are. And I think we get there and we think, oh, this seems exhausting. I've already unpacked everything, but now I feel like I've got to rebuild it. No, you don't. You're just actually, you just have to spend time getting to know like who you really are. It will just come naturally. It will be effortless. Unlike possibly parts of the personality you actually had to forge in the fire and create yeah like who you intrinsically are authentically are it'll just spill out of you like once you push a little bit further past that kind of Mm -hmm. crisis phase this is unpacking figuring out what feels true and in alignment and deeply connective and keeping that and the rest can start to go yes yeah and that that the rest can start to go comes as you begin to look at those things and Mm -hmm. dig into the roots of why you had to act that way. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to choose and every day it's going to be hard and you're going to have to not choose to shop that way. Again, if you can focus on why you were doing it and begin to heal and unpack that, you will naturally just not gravitate towards needing to show up in that way. Yeah. 
if that makes sense. It does. And I want to, I want to add to that. So, you know, if you find yourself in this space where you're kind of navigating through what is and what isn't and what feels aligned and what doesn't, I think a really important piece during this space is finding ways to regulate your nervous system. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and Tess and I have done many different episodes around this piece. Um, and we will continue to, because I think it is such a substantial part of healing because here's the thing, when you are in, when you are dysregulated, you are in either fight or flight or freeze mode. And in both of those, your system is telling you, I am not safe. And you cannot connect to your authentic self in those states. And so finding ways to regulate your nervous system will naturally allow you to tap more into this safe, deeper, connected, authentic part of you. Yes. Yeah, nervous system work, I think, is so, so, so critical, you know, and and even just going into like a relaxed meditative state, whether that's running might do that for you, meditation, breath work, journaling, that is where you'll feel that safety um, until you begin like full practice, whether that's somatic therapy or understanding, you know, nervous system regulation. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are also just like daily practices that you can do to kind of bring yourself back to that, 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 that place where you Mm -hmm. can access those pieces of you. Mm -hmm. And, and in connection to that piece is starting to look at your triggers because not only will this allow you to see potentially what protective mechanisms you have or what shadow is within you or what parts are fragmented, but it will also naturally teach you and get you practicing how to create safety within yourself. Because as you look at your triggers, you start to listen, you start to connect, you start to allow yourself to feel and hold space and validate. Mm Now, let's say you are finding yourself in a more relaxed, regulated, more connected place. Here are some questions that you can ask yourself to start to see who am I authentically? What does that feel like? What does that look like? So number one, what feels deeply connective in your body, in your heart, in your soul, in your life? Number two, what feels fun, playful, joyful? And if you have a hard time tapping into that, think about yourself as a child. What felt fun, playful, joyful for you as a child? And number three, what feels in flow for you? And what I want you to think about here is where you get so lost within something that you lose track of time, but you are fully present. So this is not being disassociated and losing track of time on your phone or Netflix (laughs) or with some sort of substance. This is being so lost in something you're doing, but so present. So this could be playing with your kids. This could be listening to music. This could be dancing, whatever that is. Those three questions are really going to start to help you connect more to who you truly are on a deeper level. I love that. I was going through all my own answers while you were saying that. And and maybe that's kind of how we can round off this episode is, you know, Christine and I talk a lot about what we're going through or the things we've discovered. And on this one, you know, we've both really deconstructed our our personalities in bunny years. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think really have begun coming home to authentically who we are. Uh, and, you know, pieces of the, those personalities are still there. So for myself, and these were pieces I lacked that now have authentically come home to me, which is, you know, being assertive with my thoughts and opinions. That was something that was stripped out of me in my childhood. And very much I became a people pleaser in, you know, whether that's business meetings or whatnot. If my thought was against everyone else said, I just kept that to myself because connection versus, you know, vocalizing my true needs or thoughts was sort of obviously the priority and that no longer is the case because I've built that safety within myself that I feel grounded and worthy enough to go against the grain to maybe say the controversial opinion on whatever topic that may be whereas before I would never dare risk Mm. that connection for that you know things that I would say still people would describe as my personality that are still very true to me 
I, I'm a warm person. I'm very open. I can go deep with anybody talking about anything. I'm not judgmental. I think most people that interact with me can feel that. Like I've heard strangers tell me that. And I know that that's true to my core of who I am. Um, you know, and just like what, like what are my hobbies, likes, things like that, which are very different than they ever used to be. Like I love reading, I love writing, and it's so interesting that you talk about like what can you get lost in. And writing was always a thing for me when I was little. Mm-hmm. But I have like two experiences where I remember one, my mom critiquing my writing and saying that it was bad, and then two my my dad finding once like poetry I had written in a really like dark phase of my life and getting really upset at me for writing that and in both those I basically stopped writing altogether until literally last year and now I'm like writing a book just as an example of also you can see there like that was my true essence coming out Mm -hmm. and then two people very close to me were like no and then I was like exile that piece we don't do that expressing yourselves with words and emotions is you know for losers and blah 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 blah. and i like hid that part away in me and i have found the most healing through my writing so it's just so funny right like coming right back to that place like where it all started um and then obviously like creating like memories like with my kids and my husband like probably in the last two years i've actually enjoyed doing that whereas before it felt like connecting was was a chore Mm. playing was a chore and you know then i would ask like well why don't i enjoy that oh because connection was never safe for me Mm. and like as i've created that safety it's actually something i relax into and i enjoy and i want more in my life yeah I love that. What about you? When I want to say first, it made me think about you with like the writing piece. Mm -hmm. You are someone that's always very organized, especially like when it comes to the podcast, like you're way more organized than I am. And I'm actually very proud of you because today we went a bit on the fly and (laughs) that probably doesn't always feel safe for good good reason. And I mean, you hear that memory of your mom critiquing your writing. Your mom was a big piece in a lot of the things you've moved through. So that shows to me that you're creating so much more internal yeah, and that's that's a good example for people like again this isn't familiar for for me like I mean I've spent 30 years being organized and everything you know t's are crossed i's are dotted and so although I've created that safety it, there's still that bit of unfamiliarity when I step into this new space and how how I am showing up because that that armor is just right there and it would just be really quickly like easy to put it back on for me to be organized I feel safe in doing that However, I've created the belief in myself because I know it to be true now that it's okay if it's not perfect and I can pull from within me, right? And that's what allows me to do things like a podcast episode on the fly. Yeah. Whereas the old me would have never dared. I would have been like, nope, reschedule, reschedule. Yes. And that's, I just want to say like, okay, girl, (laughs) I see that. Um, Okay. For me, music, music is a huge piece. And I remember like as a kid, playing piano and singing and I just it's so interesting because I've more recently reconnected back to music and I've been learning how to play the guitar and it brings me so much joy and singing and I just get lost in it so yeah music music guitar piano my future partner we are going to create music together and be songbirds moving my body. That's one that continues to be just like very like fun and deeply connective. And I just feel so good when I'm moving my body, writing and creatively expressing myself through words and my voice. So I found that not only do I love writing, I love writing the content that I do for my social media. I love journaling just on my own, writing poetry. And I really love speaking. And I think that's why, you know, the podcast, I love it so much and just other pieces. It just expressing myself has always been something that I've um, done. I think in my teens, it was a bit of a toxic way. I would just like really need to be seen and heard. But now Mm -hmm. I do it from a much more grounded, empowered, like rooted place within me. I love that example too. And for our listeners, again, it's not, we're not talking about the content today. Like, hey, whatever your personality is, you need to strip all that away. But again, it's it's almost like changing the intent and the motivation behind mm-hmm. it. So for you speaking, it used to be from more of a forceful, you better see me place. And now it's 
wow, this brings me so much fulfillment. Um, and I get to express myself and whether I'm seen or not, oh, well, like mm -hmm. I'm grounded in what I'm doing because it's fulfilling me and Hey, hopefully it's helping other people. Right. Yes. But <clears throat> same, same behavior, completely different roots to them. Right. Yeah. And so hopefully people can really see that that's what we're after here when we're talking about this with you. Yeah. And, and maybe, and just to kind of like finish that piece, it's like learning how to create these healthy connections to these parts within us yeah. rather than using them in an unhealthy coping protective way. Nailed it. Ooh. I think too, like for, and so for anyone listening, Christine and I dropped like a big announcement <laughs> last episode about our in our first in-person event called Conversations with Her, which we do hope to be a series, but we're starting with our first one on March 4th, which is a Saturday. It'll be from about 5.30 to 8.30, more information to come. But I did mm -hmm. want to plug in that early bird tickets for that are going to start the week of January 30th. Mm -hmm. And so be on the lookout because it's a pretty good deal if you sign up for the early bird and there are limited spots. I think yes. only 14. Yes. Yeah, and we've <laughs> it's funny like we've already talked to a couple people that are like, "Yep, we're going to be there. Make sure you tell us." And so if this is something that you want in on, keep looking out for it. We will be doing the early bird at the end of January. We'll be talking about this lots. And yeah, the discount's going to be pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. And for anyone good. wondering like, well, what is that? Literally think of like taking a podcast and coming and sitting with us and talking about it. And we're, we're going to be talking about the topic when we put the early bird out there, but literally we want to have a conversation with you on a topic to really get you entrenched into the understanding of why it's going to make an impact on your life. We'll be doing some channeled record readings, breath work was fully facilitated and just bringing you together with a community of like-minded individuals, which we'd love to start uh, here in Langley. So we're super pumped and excited and reach out to Christina or I if you have any questions um, or want to know more about that event. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. If you want to reach Tess or myself, Christina, you can find us on social media. Tess's handle is at her unearthed and Christina's handle is at Christina.soulempowered. We hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, Thanks for everybody. listening. Bye. Bye-bye.